You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, this was a good week for me and my walk with the Lord, and here's why. I, uh, I got to have a couple of conversations with people about their faith, um, people who don't profess to be Christian, and, and along with that, I got to invite a handful of people to church uh, to come and, and, and visit our church, and I think... Um, that I'm excited because it's not always my story. Every week, that's not, that's not what I do. But I believe that that is the task that Jesus calls me to. And I believe it's a task that he calls us as a church to. And, and I don't think I can expect you to do something that I'm not leading you to do and I'm not doing myself. And so I've been praying that God would help me. Now, I believe that other weeks I have opportunities but I fail to seize those opportunities. I fail to recognize those opportunities. And so I'm praying that God will just raise my awareness and help me to enter into those faith conversations and help me to be faithful in inviting people to join me at church on Sunday morning because I dream about a church where there are people coming in every Sunday who maybe haven't been to church in a long time, if ever. And I dream about people's lives being changed every week. And I dream about us just telling stories constantly of what God's doing in the hearts and lives of people. Do you ever dream like that? Because I believe, not a lot of excitement about that, but I'll just move on. I believe that that is the task that Jesus calls us to. So there's a guy in the Bible whose name is Paul. We've been talking about him a good bit lately. Paul had this really clear understanding of the task that Jesus had given him. In fact, I'll give you a verse before I read you the whole passage, okay? He said, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Well, what is the task that the Lord Jesus has given you? And he says, the task of testifying to the good news. So the good news is the gospel of Jesus, so it's the task of telling people about Jesus, My only aim, he says, my life is about one thing. I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to complete this task that Jesus has given me. Well, what's the task that Jesus has given you, Paul? And he says, well, it's the task of testifying to the good news, to telling people about Jesus. So I'm not confused that he he understands it clearly because you might remember in Acts chapter 9. Let me show you that verse. But the Lord said, now this is about Paul, this man Paul. So if your mama says that you're handsome and and smart, you might be and you might not be, honestly. Your mama's biased. But if the Lord said, then you can bank on it, right? So the Lord said, this man, meaning Paul, is my chosen instrument. Wow. To do what? To proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Wow, God just... Well, there you go. God just said it. This is, this is the task I'm calling this man to, right? So go back to the first slide. No wonder he was able to say, well, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news. But what about us? What about you? What about me? What is, what is the task the Lord Jesus has given us? So you remember after Jesus was resurrected, 
he appears to the, to the disciples to several times, and he makes two statements that are critical to this conversation. The first one is Matthew 28, and here's what he says. Now, he's talking to the 11 disciples, okay, the 11 remaining since Judas has made his choices. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is about conversion, right? Tell people about me, go make disciples, and then, and then train them along, teach them everything that I've commanded you, to obey everything I've commanded you. So not only are you going to tell people about Jesus, but I want you then to kind of teach them everything you know about this Christian life. The, the second statement is in Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me. It's not going to just happen in your own community of Jerusalem, in your own city, but in the whole region, and, and then in the neighboring region, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. We're going worldwide with this gospel. And so there's no way that Jesus intended for only the 11 to share the good news. And you guys share it with as many people as you can, and then it's just going to die out. It's going to go away. We're not going to tell anybody else. No. These commands are for all of his disciples. And so it kind of looks like this. So give me, um, you know, a person to stand up over here. Just anybody. Connolly, stand up for me, would you? And uh, somebody stand up over here. Go ahead. Stand up. I'm just, yeah, there you go. One, two, another, another. I, I'm not going to beg for volunteers. You're going to have to get with me this morning. Stand up. There we go. I got two. I need one more. One more. Okay. Somebody stand up in this sec. About three. I got one. I need a couple more. Just jump up. Blaine, what are you doing? My goodness, man. Okay, that's enough. Okay, over here. Uh, let me see. How many have I got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I got too many. You guys all sit down, okay? <laughs> all right. So now here's what I want you to do. This is, this is the plan. So we, we, you can't tell the whole story. So all you can do is really look at somebody and say, Jesus. We're going to assume by that you told them about Jesus, okay? So they don't have to be sitting beside you. You can look three aisles back or whatever, but and you guys are going to have to go to the far east over here, the far west rather, and tell them about Jesus, okay? So look at somebody, say Jesus to them, and then they will stand up. Okay, here we go. Do it right now, real quick. This goes fast. We're not going to wait on you. Okay, we got twice as many standing now. All right? Okay. All right? So now everybody who's standing, because you're not going to just tell one person about Jesus, right? And you guys need to branch out a little bit, I'll just tell you. You're not just going to tell one person, but you're going to tell me. So everybody standing, tell somebody else about Jesus, and they will stand with you, okay? All right, so are we there? Are you watching it? Can you see what's happening? Okay, everybody that's standing right now, tell somebody about Jesus, and they will stand. Okay, here we go. All right, so now everybody who is standing, tell somebody about Jesus, and they will stand. So, I think you're getting the point, right? So, you can all be seated now. But this has been happening. What you just experienced in the room has been happening for the last 2,000 years. This has been the story of the church for the last two, to the point that although there are many Christians who have passed on to heaven at this point, 
there are still on this earth two and a half billion followers of Jesus. We're talking about exponential growth. It's the largest religion in the world. More people follow Jesus than any other religion in the world. And the plan that you just experienced is the only plan there has ever been for expanding the kingdom of God on earth. You, you just witnessed it. Now, you, you may say, Rick, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm... I don't feel like I'm good at that. I don't feel like maybe I'm qualified to talk to people about Jesus. That's, that's, not a, that's not an issue. That's not even in the conversation. Because we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last several weeks, right? And what are we learning about the Holy Spirit? That it is God's Spirit. It's God's Spirit in you. It's God's Spirit helping you. It's God's Spirit guiding you. It's God talking to you. It's God leading you. And listen to this. It's God empowering you. And so God says it's not about your abilities or capabilities. It's not about what you can accomplish. I'm going to empower you. And what feels to you is impossible becomes possible. This is not about your ability to witness to somebody. This is about your willingness to witness to somebody. You take the step, I will empower you, and what seems impossible can become possible. So, so I love this. I want to put the words on the screen. I got so excited when I was thinking this through. Jesus trusts us. That means he trusts you. He trusts me with the task of sharing this good news of Jesus. And so you, you, may, you, may, you may want to counter and say, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. It, that's, this, is, this has happened, okay? It's not if he trusts us. I'm saying he trusts us. This is past tense. This, is, this has happened. He trusts you and he trusts me. You may say, oh, I don't know that I'm good enough. That... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about that. He already has. There isn't a different plan. The plan that you saw a moment ago is the only plan. He trusts us with the task of sharing the good news. And when you and I feel inadequate, he says, you know what? I trust you because I'm going to empower you. I don't trust you because you're good at it. I trust you because I will empower you. I just need your willingness. And so let me take you to another place where we see the Spirit working in a powerful way in this New Testament life, especially in the life of Paul. So here's the context, okay? We're going to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Paul is on his third missionary journey because he says, I've just got one task, and that's to share this good news about Jesus with people. And so he's spending his life doing it. Last week, we talked about his second missionary journey. This is his third one. He's returning now, and he's headed back to Jerusalem, hoping to make it before the day of Pentecost, all right? And so from Miletus, uh, he doesn't stop in Ephesus. He says, I'm afraid uh, it will take too much time. I don't know what all of that means. Nobody really does. We're all kind of guessing. But he's sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he lands 30 miles away, docks his ship 30 miles away, and, and sends for the leaders of the church. And so when they arrived, and he really is telling them goodbye, 
he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with, ter- with uh, tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. They had my number, man. They were all over me. They would not let up, you know. I, I've been persecuted, you know, in ways that you know that I've not hesitated to preach, though, anything that would be helpful to you but have taught you publicly and from house to house. N- not only did I, did I tell you about Jesus, but I taught you everything that I knew about Jesus. So I've declared to both Jews and Greeks they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus because this is my task. And now, listen to this, compelled by the Spirit because the Spirit is helping you, guiding you, leading you, right? Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Good news. Paul's going to Jerusalem. The Spirit's leading him there, not knowing what will happen to me there. But listen to this. I know only that in every city, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit leads us and speaks to us, right, warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And I think we want to say, then why would you go? (laughs) And he answers the question. However, I consider my life worth nothing. To me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. That's what my life is about. I'm not, I'm not worried about my comfort. I've got a task. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I feel like I need to say it over and again today and be honest and to say that in the Western culture that you and I live in, where comfort is such a high value, The mindset that we just experienced in Paul is hard for us to grasp. It's just difficult for us to grasp. So let me take you, okay? Here we go. Missionary journey. Put the map on the screen for you. Somebody said last week, hey, I really like the map. That was helpful. So that was the second journey. Remember, he landed back in Antioch. And so he stayed there for a while. And then he said, I'm going to go strengthen the churches and start some new works again. And so he takes the same path, Tarsus over through Lystra, Derby, etc. This time he comes straight to Ephesus because you remember how he couldn't preach in Asia before? On his way back in the second missionary journey, he did start churches in Asia. So he finds himself in Ephesus up to Troas, Macedonia, down to Greece, back up and around. And it's at this point that he says, you know what? I don't think I'm going to stop in Ephesus. I'm going to stop in Miletus. I'll send for the elders. I'll tell them the story because I want to get back to Jerusalem before Pentecost. I feel like the Spirit is compelling me to go there. So, so there's two things that are going on here, okay? Uh, one thing that is going on is that the Spirit is leading Paul along. We've talked a lot about it in these last few weeks. The Holy Spirit leads us, guides us. And he says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem. Although I don't know what's going to happen because the Spirit warns me. Because we've been talking about how the Spirit speaks to us, right? Warns me that I will face prison and hardships in every city I go to. 
And so we, we say, well, Paul, <laughs> Brother Paul, you know, maybe you shouldn't go. I think this is where we, where we land with Paul, and I think it's where we have to land. We choose to follow the Spirit even though we might face hardships. And so just since it's just us, I, I guess I would ask you, and I'm asking myself to say, do I own that statement? Am I all in right there? Would you say to me what I say to you? That's right. I'm going to follow the Spirit even though I might face hardships. And I think the reason I ask is because of that conversation I started a moment ago about the fact that we live in this Western world of comfort. So I want you to do this. You notice there's a lot of group participation in the sermon today, okay? But uh, just cross your arms. Well, you've done it all your life, haven't you? I'm going to ask everybody in the room to do it. Anybody in the room just obstinate saying, I'm not going to do his stuff, just not doing it, you know? So I learned recently, keep them crossed if you will. I learned recently that every time we cross our arms that we cross them the same way. So look down at your arm. Which one is on top? So that, that one you always put on top. So now I want you to put the other one on top, okay? Do you notice it doesn't really work? It's not really comfortable, is it? I can't get it worked out. It just, I keep trying to want to, and finally I end up back over here because that, that's comfortable. Okay, so on three, I just want you to do this right here. Clasp your hands just like that. One, two, three. Okay? So I learned that when we clasp our hands, we clasp them the same way every time. Move, move them over just one slot. Just move these fingers over one, put the other thumb on top. That does not fit, does it? No, it doesn't work. And so if I ask you to keep your hands clasped, you're going back, right? Because it's comfortable. And the truth is that there's some things we don't have in life and some things we don't do in life because it's outside of what's comfortable. I like it this way, you know? And we, we live in a society that drives us toward comfort. It sells us comfort. We have some money. We're willing to buy comfort. We find a lot of comfort in our homes. We find a lot of comfort in the cars that we drive. I'm testifying. I'm not accusing. We, we, we work our schedules to make life more comfortable. We, we work toward more vacation. I want to go somewhere where I can put my feet up, you know. And so we just live in this world where comfort has become pretty important. And so the, the, the question I'm living with, when I, when I listen to a guy like Paul, and, and I look at the life of Jesus, and I listen to his words, I find, I find this, that Jesus says stuff like, if you want to follow me, take up a cross. Not comfortable. The antithesis of comfort is a cross. And so I'm, I'm living in this place as I work through the scripture of saying, where's the balance? Because I have to live in this world, right? 
So where is that balance with comfort and cross? Is, is there a possibility of striking some kind of a balance? So let's move into a part of the sermon where we talk about what you do, okay? There is um, a story that I came across years ago about a group 200 years ago of people who were known as one-way missionaries. A band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries 200 years ago. They bought tickets to the mission field without buying the return part of the ticket. Instead of suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings in coffins. And as they sailed away and waved goodbye to everyone they loved and all they knew, knowing they'd never return home. And that's not comfort. That's a cross. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, aware that the headhunters there had martyred every missionary before him. Milne didn't fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. And for 35 years, he lived among that tribe. And when he died, they buried him in the middle of the village and inscribed this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. Good stuff. And so I think when we look at Paul and say, well, why are you going? I think Paul says, well, it's not about my life. I, I have one chief aim, and that's to finish this race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And that task is to share the good news about Jesus. So, there's this passage in Corinthians, chapter 11, I think it's verse 1, where Paul says something that might feel really arrogant to you. He says, follow my example as I follow Christ. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to say, Mark, you should follow my example as I follow Christ. You just follow me, you'll be fine. Do what I do, you'll be good. But Paul backed it up. Jesus laid down his life. I'll lay down mine. We're in chapter 20. Do you know what happens in chapter 21? He gets to Jerusalem and he is arrested. And eventually does cost him his life. Here's, here's where I live. I live with a gap. I live with a gap when I look at Jesus' life and I look at my life. Even when I look at my life and I look at Paul's life, I see a gap. 
There's a large gap in what I see in Jesus and what I see in me. Do you think anyway by God's grace he can begin to close that gap? So here we go. One last statement. This is the question of the hour. Are we willing to put the task of the Lord has given us above our own life? And I think we might have to start asking, are we willing to put it above lunch? Or something I plan to do tonight? I, I had a conversation with a guy who attends our church, and he says, you know what I dream about? I dream about, I dream about us having to build a bigger building because this building won't start to hold it. That's what I dream about. He said, but then I asked myself, what's it going to take? And he's, he's not pointing fingers. He's including himself. He's, you know, what's it going to take for us to begin to really share? I think what he's really asking is, what's it going to take for us to have the passion Paul had? You know? And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to close with a song. But um, it occurred to me that there might be somebody in the room saying, you know, you guys are talking about this, but I'm sitting right here. You're talking about helping people come to know Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting right here. I'm hearing everything you're saying. I don't know Jesus. Any interest in me coming to know Jesus? And so I would just say to you this morning that um, I'm going to be over here near the end of the service. And, um, and I would love to talk to you today about coming to know Jesus if that feels a little too difficult for you, you can write a card and you can say, would you call me this Rick, week, Rick? Here's my number. And would you drop it in a connect box? Would you talk to me this week about coming to know Jesus? I would love to connect with you this week about coming to know Jesus. And I think the rest of us have to respond too. I think we have to respond because God speaks to us through his word. And, and, it, and it could be that the words of this song become your response. But I want there to be a real freedom in the room, you know. Um, I don't want you to feel like I just have to stand here until they're done. And then I, I mean, if you want to pray, pray. If you want to come and talk to me about coming to know Jesus, come and talk to me. If you want to go to a friend and say, pray for me. Go to a friend and say, pray for me. Let's be in his presence in this moment. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.